Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. I'm Gar and I'm here with Paul. How are you? And this week we're going to do uh, something we talked about for ages. And I know we say this yeah, every at least six week. months. No, but like we, 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 kept, we kept putting this one off yeah. because we knew we'd have to do loads of work for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is, and it's not the time to be doing loads of work when we can't even be in the same room together. Uh, well, we can, but we, we choose not to be because uh, we don't really like each <laughs> other like anymore. Fleet, it sounds like we're Fleetwood. <laughs> yeah. We don't really like each other anymore. We decided that this works better. Um, just one facet of the personality, just the voice. That'll if do. We don't have to look at you or hear you. Yeah. Punch those peanuts yeah although exactly. it would it makes no sense i would have to hear it if it of course it, yeah. you want to hear that lovely noise as i toss you a bag of chili nuts that's what you want them <laughs> um, delicious chili nuts um yeah. so what we're doing tonight it's actually you're better off explaining it because i'll over complicate it it's your uh, oh, jesus i definitely will but look i'll give it a go yeah. right so we want to pick the most influential songs from the last six decades or so uh so we've won each Per decade, so we've got 60s up until the 2010s, where it starts getting much harder. The songs that we think are the most, not even necessarily iconic, because there's loads of iconic songs that are not yeah. influential. We, we, we dug into what, what happened after that song, yeah. what, what, when that came out. And, uh, and it's for crazy. what reason? Yeah, for, like, for what like, reason? Yeah. The, the thing about a playlist like this, a playlist, honest to God, a playlist like this could realistically be a thousand songs long. So like yeah. the way the way I, I approached this playlist is I, I took a song that I knew was kind of popular, um, but had an impact in some facet of the music industry. Um, yeah, that's, that's that made fair, it yeah. made it kind of a little bit more progressive, pushed it forward, created a style, or became the standard. Yeah. Um, afterwards, so that's kind of the way I looked at it. So I, it actually, it actually, the playlist reads like a best of music pretty much like is the really best of music basic cunt best of music 100 percent basic but there's a reason fucking, yeah yeah but 100 percent it's there um yeah. like we're gonna we're gonna pull songs out of the bag here that you're just gonna go oh for fuck's sake and it's gonna honest to god it's gonna sound like we know nothing about music you know what i mean I know, but when we when you write the most influential you're not gonna get a cool weird under the radar song. No. It's the opposite. It's the yeah. absolute opposite of exactly. First of all, to be influential, genu- generally, it has to be massively well known and have a huge scope and spread yeah. for yeah. it to be influential. Not Big necessarily time. to be to be influential, but the most influential per decade. Yep. So we will do some undercover influentials to, at, to people. Yeah. At some stage, yeah. we'll just pull out some absolute shit you've never heard of to make us sound like uh, real intelligent. Yeah. Like there's and a lot of silly stuff that's. There's loads of deadly stuff like bands that we that's another one we will do soon. Bands that missed the mark but influenced everyone. Mm. Mm. Like, I don't know, Pixies or something like you know. Yeah. Um but these are the ones that are definitely These are the the, the <laughs> ones if you fuck these are the main fucking the main lump of dinner on your plate for every fucking every generation essentially, every decade. Yeah. But um, in 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 our defense we looked into why and what happened. So mm, mm. Be, uh, So yeah. uh, let's push on. Who is your right. first one? Well, we're starting with the 60s. Yep. So, it's Johnny Obvious, but I chose the most influential band of the 60s and probably ever, actually. Yeah. Uh, but picking a track wasn't that easy because it's the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, picking an influential track from the Beatles is fucking rough. So I did give myself a slightly hard job in that regard. Um, so the Beatles influenced and spawned a million bands with the yep. song, I Want to Hold Your Hand. But... That's influential, right? Yep. They influenced so much pop music with the song Yesterday. But I really wanted to dig deeper and find the moment that 
in the 60s, the Beatles were at their most influential and the song that went, everyone went, right, that could be the most influential yeah. one. So it has to be Sgt. Pepper's, the song, I think. Has to be, yeah. Def- definitely the album. We uh, that. The song, the song, like, even when I first heard it, like, because I didn't, I didn't hear any Sgt. Pepper's growing up. I heard all the, all fucking, I want to hold your hand yesterday. So when I found Sgt. Pepper's, I was like, it's just like a popular Beatles album. Like they're all popular Beatles. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no hidden album. Like, yeah. And as a kid, yeah. I was like, I love this and Magical Mystery Tour and yeah. all the mad shit because yeah. it's cartoony and fun. So, I think Sgt. Pepper's the first track, obviously the title track off the album, the album which is considered possibly the first mainstream concept album. Yes, of all time. Um. So. It's not, it is and it isn't, but because even the Beatles don't agree that it's a concept album. John Lennon himself said, it's not really, you can take any of these songs and stick them onto another album, it wouldn't be, he does Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's still definitely pop music. I think there wasn't one of their things behind it that they wanted to see, like everybody knew it was the Beatles, but they wanted to have a bit of fun by kind of getting out of their own skin. Yeah, and it still is, even if it's loose, it is a concept album. It starts... Yeah with the introduction of a gig and the whole thing plays out like a live show. Yeah. Which is obviously it's not because it's the produced. Of course. Produced. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, this is the first time for me the Beatles got really surreal. I know mm. that like Yellow Submarine was on Revolver before, but Revolver was like the mature album. Yeah. After Rubber Soul, which was still jangly. Uh, great mm. though. I love Rubber Soul. From Rubber Soul on, or my, or my favorites, I don't really listen to much before that, to be honest. Yeah, the Mersey Beat stuff is it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's not for me. Yeah, it's, it's important. Yeah. yeah, there's a million but of was, them. Yeah, but it was, and I do have to say that arguably, like, Zappa has his hat in the ring for the most influential, surreal, forced mm. even, uh, concept album with the Mothers of Invention, but it wasn't Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah. That's the difference. Like, a lot of people will cite it. And actually, Zappa's one would probably directly influenced more of the music that I like than the Beatles would have. Maybe. But then again, it's nearly impossible to quantify who the Beatles influenced directly uh, that mm. we listen to nowadays. Mm. I think the answer is probably everyone probably through someone everyone. else. Yeah. Or through yeah. someone else. What, I don't think it's, I don't yeah. think the influence aspect is in any doubt. It might be a bit obvious. No. And only um, absolute edgelords fucking hate the, the Beatles. You know what I mean? I hate, I hate all of the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, it's all shy. I mean, you can yeah, say, I don't like that, but this is great. That's fine. Yeah. That's subjective. You know what I mean? But it's not yeah. subjective to say the Beatles are shy. That's so, just stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. It starts with the same letter, but it's not at all similar. Like, no, fucking not. hell, lads. Like, it's the fucking oh, no, it's, Beatles. It's, very, it's, it's, it's like 110 kill points on the yeah. internet. Yeah. Right? Oh, but, uh, so I don't actually really... The people who say that have the tiniest scope I've ever heard. Some people go, fuck me, man. I hate the Beatles, but yeah, I can see it. Like the way I am a queen, I don't even hate Queen. But you know, yeah, I'm not it's not for you. It's not for you. That's um, fine. So, so, Revolver. Some people would say it was the more influential. I, I really don't think it was. I like that proves that they were far more than what was seen at the time as some yeah. kind of boy band with guitars. Yeah, like I said, a lot more mature songwriting. But I think Sgt. Pepper's was the first huge cross generational. Uh, just something that could push music really, really forward and yeah. noticeably huge amounts. Like everyone could see how well their songs were getting and more mature and, and off the track of the live 
live songs. Yeah, well, you, ha- they you were ha- stopped. They were you stopped playing to- live by then, you know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You have to consider the fact as well that the Beatles, like, were were and probably still are their most popular band in the world. So when yeah. people start bringing up like, oh, Zappa done this and Captain Beefheart done this, that's great. But like, to to the fucking, you know. 6,000 people worldwide that were actually listening at that yeah. in that era. You know what I mean? Yeah. The thing about the Beatles was every single fucker on earth was listening yeah. to the Beatles. There wasn't, you could find a cave in Afghanistan and they'd have a battery power turntable exactly. with a fucking yeah. revolver on it. So for the Beatles to turn around and kind of stop making traditional pop songs, like yeah. a la Revolver, and start banging out mad shit. Yeah. Like Sergeant and a lot, that's Yeah, right. And a lot of the influence comes from the fact that they had the world's ear. Zappa yeah. didn't really. Zappa no. had to get it through through his music. So you'd yeah. start off on a thing where no one was really particularly listening. Now, like I said before, uh, Zappa's stuff influenced the music I liked probably more. I can almost yeah. see, see it like going into Mr. Bungle and Rage Against the Machine. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I could see it. A lot yeah. more closer than I can with this, but I also think that uh, Zappa and another band that you're about to talk about um, had more of a societal influence. Yes, than the Beatles like had the whole flower power generation thing happening as well around Sgt. Pepper's, but it wasn't really. It, it was it was actually too broad. Yeah, I think uh, Zappa had the people who were really fucking sick of the establishment and all that. Yes, exactly. Sick of well, pop okay. music and had their own fucking... Yeah. Like, Zappa was definitely the kill kids corner and the Beatles yes. was just screaming kids. You know what I mean? Um, it, like, it did, it did, it did, it did cross a lot of generations. Yeah, exactly. That's why, those that's screaming kids, to, those screaming yeah. kids grew up, had kids of their own and yeah. they weren't screaming kids anymore so they were able to kill parents telling their yeah. kids about fucking these savage albums they listened to and not that many of them are listening to Zappa. They were all listening to the Beatles. Maybe yeah. 15% of them like Zappa as well, you yeah. know. And not, like that, Sergeant Peppers is still influencing people. I'm not saying Zappa's not. I'm just I yeah. had to throw Zappa in there because it would have been a choice for me if I was going down the cool dude route. But I have to be honest with you. If, like if, if I'm picking the most influential song of the '60s that I know of, and I pick something from the Mothers of Invention album, mm. people gonna it's a influence. Look, like I said, we'll do that podcast another time. Mm. That was um that was my choice for the '60s. Uh, yep. Who is your most influential song um, for you? Of, of the sixties, I picked uh, Velvet Underground and Nico. Yeah. I'm waiting for the man. Um, mm. This was one of those songs that uh, I, I I I don't know if I'm a huge Velvet Underground. Fan. Yeah, me neither. Like, like I, I you know, I listen to them and go, yeah, but I never yeah. go. <laughs> I listen to a full album. Yeah. That, like saw the lemon and the, or the, the banana, banana yeah like now the reason the, the reason i picked them as one of the most influential bands of the 60s um and this song as one of the most influential songs of the 60s um is mostly down to the relationship between the velvet underground and art in general yeah um i don't think before velvet underground there was a publicly conceived connection between kind of artistic movements and musical movements. Now, I yeah. know in New York in particular, especially in the 60s and 70s, like all these people ran in the same groups. Like yeah. there were, you know, there were like fucking, there was, there was beat poetry nights and beatnik fucking cafes and all this kind of shit. Like, and they all kind of were merged together. But there was, there were gigs, like where people played music and there was yeah. fucking like beat poetry nights. And like, rarely did these things fully the, the spectrums kind of cross but this to me is the first time where 
music is fully folded in to the art scene. Um, yeah. The main reason for that is obviously Andy Warhol. Um, so the Velvet Underground formed in 1964 by Lou Reed. Um, everybody knows that. Um, so it's it's real weird. They, just, they they had a hundred different fucking names, and they were just playing random gigs, doing kind of garagey style uh, yeah. music. It didn't really matter. And it, it was only later on, I have his name written down here. It's very fucking interesting, actually. Uh, a guy called uh, John Cale. Oh, yeah. John Cale, he was actually a Welsh guy who had moved to New York to study classical music. And he I didn't met, know he was Welsh. Welsh, yeah. I thought um, he was... Jesus. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's a Welsh guy. So he moved to New York to study classical music. And while he was studying, he started hanging around with all these uh, new experimental composers. And yeah. he started messing around with like uh, kind of weird ambient drones on, on keyboards and shit like that. And when he did meet up with Lou Reed, they, they decided, let's have a crack at fucking doing something. And uh, they went through a hundred different names. The, the Velvet Underground, I, I believe, originally came from, uh, it's the name of a book about, um, it's about weird kind of sex, uh, weird sexual zeitgeist in the American yeah. people. Like, well, the, Vel- uh, the Velvet Underground is possibly one of the best names of all time. It is bananas good, like, and it's perfect. Like, you can't such think, a great name. You can't think of anything else that would make sense. Like, Jesus, it's n- it's almost pretentious, but it just ducks under it to be almost gothy and cool. <laughs> yeah. ah, it's per- it's fucking. It's one of the best band names of all time. It is. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, they had met Warhol at a couple of uh, art shows and a couple of cafes. Warhol decided he was going to manage them. Now he only managed them for a little while but the little kind of spark that he ignited in them was yeah. so kind of fucking furious that it just became outrageous he um their debut album came out in 1967 and the, the, it's the underground uh, velvet underground and nico who was a german singer and it yeah. was andy warhol who said listen you, need, you should get this girl over she's fucking shit hot and she's kind of artsy fartsy and i think i could do a lot with her here in New York, you put out an album of horror, like I'll fucking fund part fund it and we'll get a label to put it out and all this kind of shit. Um, I didn't even know you funded it, that's cool. Yeah, he threw, he threw money towards it. Um, and he, he was actually a producer on that album as well, um, which I, I don't know whether he's done jack shit to be fucking honest with you. <laughs> yeah. But when they first came out, nobody gave a shit. Um, the mainstream was, no one gave a fucking a bollocks of, a shit about them until Warhol, he was huge. Like Warhol, when you think of kind of when you think of New York art, you think of Andy Warhol. Like, it's just, he's yeah, that of big of a name. Um, until he kind of took them under his wing. And uh, because they had this kind of avant-garde, kind of nihilistic fucking, like, they were one of the first bands that was, like, didn't seem to give a shit about to, like whether people liked them or not. I and think like, that's what puts me off Lyrid sometimes. How oh yeah, much definitely. Sold that. Too yeah. too much. Told it too much. Exactly, but I, th- I think that all comes from Warhol, where yeah. Warhol Warhol had told them, like now I, I cannot put in all of Velvet Underground's fucking success on Andy Warhol, but there, mm. there's a period of time at the start of this band where it's just like n- name me any other fucking Velvet Underground albums, bar the first one. Do you know what I mean? For your average yeah. Joe Soap, your average Joe Soap. Um, it's going to be very fucking difficult, and 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 you can pick out that album cover from from a fucking uh, a criminal lineup from a mile away as well. Um, but yeah, John Cale he, because he had been messing with this drony kind of stuff. Warhol was mad into this, and Lou Reed was mad into this. He was like, let's do some fucking batshit mad stuff. Um, because apparently at the start, um, what they were doing, 
was more kind of a beat poetry with weird bongo drums oh, and fucking drone keyboard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, um, but Andy Warhol, Andy Warhol had this. Um, he had this art installation, and uh, it was just this kind of like open all year round kind of fucking um, warehouse where he painted. He had other artists and stuff in there doing stuff all yeah. the time. So he put uh, the underground in there as like the resident band. So they would like rehearse and play and just fuck around in there. Now they ended up having, they, they went through a couple of different members. There was, I can't remember his fucking name. I think he was a guitar player with them. And he was having more with him because he was so arty that he would not, if, if you said, right, uh, lads, you're on at nine o'clock and you have uh, 45 minutes. He would say, I'm not playing them. I said, why? Because you can't tell me when to start playing and when to stop playing. I just, I go up oh, whenever God. I want. You know, this kind of uh, shit. Like, they were so fucking, that was uh, such a part of them. And, and because of that, that became a big fucking deal. Um, actually, I think this album might have been recorded and released around the same time. As like, you're talking about everybody in a band wants to do that. Imagine turning up again and go, I only want whenever I'm, whenever the feeling's right, so you don't have to, fuck off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Stage manager would be like, yeah, mate, you're not going on then. How about that? <laughs> exactly. Um, now they definitely, uh, they definitely influenced. I mean, you have to remember this is like nineteen sixty fucking seven. So yeah. you're good, you're good to ten years off kind of punk, but the attitude was there to begin with. Now I think yeah. that um, um, like new wave music owes more to Velvet Underground than punk per se. But I think the oh, attitude, the, the attitude was, was definitely um, a Velvet Underground thing. Um, what we got here oh yeah this is great fucking the label didn't know what to do with it apparently because uh, it came out it came out roughly around the same time as Sgt Peppers so it was just gone but the, nobody yeah. nobody gave a shit about it when it came out much the same as when the band started when that album came out no one gave a fuck it took years for it to like like it's hard to, hard to describe it, it, it's like this weird like undercurrent in the sea is the way I, when I've been reading about Velvet Underground. It's like they didn't rock the charts. They didn't make everything like they didn't turn into into like giant pop or rock stars overnight. Mm. What they did do was kind of crack the foundations of music, especially in the New York scene, where like everybody who's seen them was like, "You can do yeah. that." Can. It seems to be the most subtly huge thing. Ever. Yes, exactly. But like yeah. every uh, Brian Eno gave a great fucking quote a couple of years ago, and he said. Uh, uh, that, that that album in the first like five or six years of that album coming out it only sold 30,000 copies but every That's single nice. person every single person who bought a copy of that album all 30,000 of them started the band that was Brian Eno's quote. <laughs> and yeah, because see, that's concentrated influence. Exactly. That's like I said, it's like an under undercurrent. You know, the waves yeah. are crashing and you've got yeah. Beatles and Rolling Stones and that's that's hitting the people. But there's no still, like the, you'll see they're they're name checked and everything. You know, well, they were not so much anymore. Not actually. so much anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a couple of other bands came along and done something kind of similar. But for me, yeah. the Velvet Underground, like, um, I, I, both of our choices for the sixties, I think, are, are pretty good. And I, I think, yeah, no, they're they're also, just, I think they're the two strongest. Exactly. Yeah. Also, I think they're right. both ends of the fucking spectrum, which is good. Yeah, you know? no, I, I, I'm glad you picked them because they are, because, like you said, the art thing is extremely important. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's, so, yeah. it's just the, the first mission of, and then you had like later on, you had Warhol acting the bollocks with like uh, Debbie Harry and Blondie and stuff like that. You know, yeah. he he kind of wet his, it was, yeah, it was like a little community, exactly. Like he did just house and music with Velvet Underground, then kind of 
all of a sudden, then he's, he's like very blondie, blonde. He was fucking Andrew huge. Was very influential. Yeah, exactly. Very. <laughs> uh, right. So we're moving on to the seventies. So who is your uh, your pick for the seventies? Yeah, we're here in the seventies. This yeah. was my hardest one, hardest pick of them all, including the later ones, which you think would be harder ones later. This was the hardest for me. To pick. I know. I've seen you change it. Yeah, I had to change it a few yeah. times because. This decade itself, I think, is the most influential decade out of all the decades we're doing today. Mm. Obviously, I'm not going to, we're not talking about 50s or 20s or mm. 1700s. Like, I think of all the decades, the 70s is the most influential for the rest of music. Yeah. Um, so, the first thought, straight into the head, it's got to be God Save the Queen. It's got to be, right? Yeah. I mean, it's got to be. It's, so, it's, it's the obvious jump I mean for it. I had it there, and then I was like, Right. So as as you mentioned before, that was the invention or the carry on of the attitude from Velvet uh, Underground. Yeah. Um, but say Velvet Revolver, I'm like, no. Mm. <laughs> uh, but that attitude would bleed into like so many genres. Yeah. Um, but I don't think musically Sex Pistols are as influential as some other bands from the 70s. So yeah, I, think I, that, I think they're culturally yes more yeah. more influential yeah. than musically influential see, yeah you see that brought me on to like punk being huge in terms of attitude and how that attitude mm. affected rock and roll and heavy metal and then i went fuck heavy metal i mean it's gotta be sabbath hasn't it i have to yeah. pick sabbath yeah. i have to pick paranoid or mm. iron man probably mm. iron man by sabbath i thought i had it in the bank there grant let's uh, that's punk is punk not bigger than 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 metal and i'm like no it's not really and then I went, fuck, it finally just hit me. I went, oh man, yeah, it's neither of them at all. <laughs> so I picked a song that influences people from like the likes of Depeche Mode mm. to Jay-Z, mm. Prodigy, Two Live Crew. Not only like genres, but a lot of musical and technology approaches to mm. like doing things. So... Drum roll. <laughs> now, the most influential track for me from the 70s is Kraftwerk, Autobahn. Yeah. yeah, I think because so. Because this is the start of electronic music, <laughs> really. And that is actually bleeds into hip-hop. It bleeds into goth music. Yeah, it bleeds pretty into much. Techno. It bleeds into even just David Bowie's music. Yeah. So it's so fucking huge. Yeah. From that song, Autobahn. And I wanted to pick the model because it's the more... But they, they were they were really influencing people way before the model because I think the model came out. So the Autobahn is nineteen seventy four. I think the model is three years after that. So they'd already started. Autobahn was the first time everyone went, "What the fuck is yeah. this? Yeah. This is bananas! It's like, mental." The, the, the closest thing to that would probably would have been like Thomas Dolby or something like that. But that was more yeah. more of a novelty song than anything else. Like you know, his stuff was yeah. It's it, it's it, even hard to know whether Kraftwerk cared about being novelty or not or even tried something yeah i think they just done their, t- their own thing it's very tongue-in-cheek a lot of it, like when i was a young fella i did not know the difference between craft work and devo yeah to be fair there is a huge like influence shine right there yeah like the look is craft work yeah you know but De- devo obviously play more uh traditional instruments well, yeah you know, not that not the craft work didn't but <laughs> they were they they mostly play just the synths each. Yeah. Now yeah. they're all multi instrumentalists as well. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. um, they started off actually as a as a band, but uh, probably like guy, a kraut, uh, just straight kraut rock fucking band. Like yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, Florian Schneider was the only one that could afford a keyboard. They were mad expensive. <laughs> of he course had, they were, you, and you had to build had them yourself. Quid. 
yeah, yeah. he had a few kids. So. I up. never checked into what the deal with him was and what he had like why he had loads of money, but apparently he was quite wealthy. I don't know. Well, listen so to anyway. his name. He has to be some sort of count or something, doesn't he? <laughs> well, that's probably a regular name. I don't know, man. German. I know loads of Germans. I don't know any of them. Yeah. Um. So. T- I know this fella they, called Hans Gruber who died a few years ago. Poor cunt. <laughs> oh, the window incident. <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, no, he didn't do it. He didn't do it a window, did he? Uh, no, off the top. top. Off the top, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, yeah. I'm thinking of shoot the fenster. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know what that means. That means yeah. shoot the window. Uh, was, yeah, yeah. A, t- a terrible explosion in the building. And uh, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't make it, yeah. So, speaking of typecasts and Germans, they had an awful time when they first came out with the British press. I believe like, it, yeah. Really bad. They were, like, there was reviews that said stuff like, is this what your father's fought for? Letting oh. this music take over. Just like, oh, come on. And there was a lot of iconography mixing into, uh, oh, the, uh, mixing them with the Nazi stuff in Nuremberg and all, which like, I really didn't get from, uh, from Kraftwerk. I mean, no, not at all. Suits you're like, no, yeah, no. The, the, the whole thing about Kraftwerk was like new Germany. You know what yeah. I mean? It was like what the, the yeah. model of new Germany. This is where the technologically advanced because G- Germany, I, I've been saying it for years. I, I don't know what it was like back then, but like Germany now is basically America too. It's not like Canada is not America too. Germany is. There's shops in Germany that are like American shops, like Trader Joe's and all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just that country was fucking American, but one half but of it was. But they're they're very very good at keeping things very very German though yeah, at the yeah. same time, like traditional German stuff that like. I don't know, like not not blowing all your money on stuff, yeah. <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Anyway, so the thing that makes this song unique is it's kind of revolutionary in a way that it was using milk synths for the bass. They were playing on percussion pads. They had a real flute on it. Um, it, it gave birth to the electro genre because it uses repetitive loops and has a robotic sound, and it's absolutely okay to use drum machines mm. well, not not it's with drum it was played sort of on percussive uh yeah they pads. had sticks so, so they had pads yeah i think it's like i don't know it's possibly sampled anyway but um throughout the years it was just drum machines and stuff like that and mm. it was okay and it was like it's okay to sound robotic it's like oh, it doesn't sound real but that's half the music i make now with synth stuff yeah, yeah. is because of craft work and stuff like that absolutely so uh weirdly they were influenced by james brown mm. The Beach Boys, that's even, but also Velvet Underground. So it's all continuing, yeah, continuing on. I, um, I guarantee you, you can draw a line, kind of through a lot of these bands. Oh, definitely, you definitely. Know. Well, these are because, because these are the biggest, uh, let's say, buttons to to sew in. Yeah, to the to the threads. But what the fuck? What? Why, where is this analogy going? <laughs> I've, I've tied myself into a, a backwards loop in the analogy yeah. with my knitting needle. <laughs> um, yeah, look, there's no doubt that um, like trying to figure out who uh, who sampled Bowie was a massive uh, lover of their music, massive mm. influence. Mm. Um, Jay Z sampled them, New Order sampled them on Blue Monday. Yeah, um, they made that music cool and. They're still torn now. I know Florian Schneider, who left in 2009, he died uh, yeah, this yeah. year. Um, but they continue to tour and it's Kraftwerk. Kraftwerk, yeah. yeah. Absolute trailblazers. Like, not, there's not, not up for the discussion. Like between, techno, you know. techno or yeah, even yeah. a lot of hip-hop. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. or got. Yeah, yeah it's, it hits Prodigy, all. Prodigy, you know. Exactly, yeah. Now, they're, they're, their influence is not up for debate. It's just Give me not. your... Uh, 
Give um, me your 70s one. My 70s one is definitely up for debate. And uh, I, I have to come at it from a weird angle. I picked Leonard Skinner with Freeboard. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the popcorn in for this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not, so, not it's not influence. So there's definitely, okay. So like I, like I said earlier, I had to kind of keep plucking at, at a thread, okay, um, to, 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 to kind of find the longest thread that led through, through the, the fucking decades for me. So right. <laughs> um, what I was thinking with Leonard Skinner, in particular with, with Freeboard, was that, this is one of the biggest songs that has kind of, oh, how would you even put it? Okay, so you've got, you've got electric guitar, you've got acoustic guitar, but one of the big things is that you've got multiple parts to the songs, okay? Yeah. And I don't think that, like, I've got two things going for this, this fucking, two things that I think are influential from this one song from Freeboard, right? right? I don't think guitar solos were as big a deal until Freeboard was played right right i think the guitar solo was just a part of a song where it was if you're thinking about kind of 50 stuff and you got 60s but there was a little bit going on the 60s uh leaned a little bit more towards uh little licks and the fucking yeah you're back at your very short like exactly they were just tiny parts all day and all night, but again, exactly. it's one of the best songs, but it's very short. Exactly. So it's, like said, it's more They're of a just tiny little licks. Lick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That were thrown in. The 60s, you got, so you got your 50s kind of rock and roll, roll over Beethoven, right? And then you've got your, your 60s, which are leaning towards more your kind of Dylan jingly, jangly kind of stuff. The 70s is where fucking rock music hits, right? The 70s yeah. is where like stadiums start getting filled up with proper fucking rock bands. And I'm talking like sex, drugs, and rock and roll is kind of becomes the modus operandi of bands, right? So I think that Freeboard is the, the most influential song early on, right? So it's fucking, they're formed in 64. Yeah. Debut album comes out in 73, comes out early in 73. Is, the, the is al- this song on the? Yes. Right, right. right. The okay, album, that's early in the 70s. Yeah. Exactly. The, the album version of the song is almost 10 minutes long. Jesus. Right? The single I should have co- actually mentioned, sorry, that the Autobahn is 22 minutes long, not the one we put on the thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the single version of Freeboard is, is just four and a half minutes long, give or take. Yeah. And the album version is nearly 10. And they came out with, they done this redo version a couple of years ago where they filmed the master tapes and they came out with like an 11 and a half minute version of it. They're just right. like dying for this song to be fucking huge. <laughs> so, just the longest fucking song. So I've got two things. I've got guitar solos, which yeah. you've got like bands like Kiss and stuff like that start coming out afterwards. Yeah. The whole kind of rock and roll fucking like Sabbath have been around since like nineteen seventy, but like, solos were never like there were solos in Sabbath, but Sabbath was Sabbath is kind of a different animal. Sabbath is more brooding, fucking like there's something kind of ethereal in in Black Sabbath. There's not really in bands like Leonard Skinner. And one of the reasons I wanted to pick Skinner is because these guys were like the pinnacle of Southern rock, right? Yeah. Southern rock, as far as I'm concerned, became one of their most influential things in metal forever. Yeah, especially... Well, you've got like Crowbar, Pantera, fucking like the list goes on and on and on. Exactly. It goes on and on and on. And then you've got, you end up with guys like uh, Hank Tree, who are like definitely have one foot in kind of Leonard Skinner and one oh, foot yeah. in the kind of the, the rebel fucking uh, rock and roll kind of country outlaw country yeah. music. So 
like I said, Lina, there, there were definitely easier ways to go for the 70s influential song. But for some reason, when we were doing this list, I was thinking to myself, it's like, fucking Freeboard, why is it? I, I don't need, like, Freeboard's a good song. Do you know what? If I heard uh, Freeboard randomly on a CD that I found that I never heard it before, I stuck it on, it like, well, that's the best song I've ever written. Yeah, it's up but, there. But people and being a rock DJ, I, I, it's, it's, it's vanilla ice cream for me now, so I can't tell. Hmm. Also, the whole joke of play Freebird. That's, 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 that's around a for a thing. reason. Yeah, that's, that's around that's for a, a big reason. Thing. Um, apparently, originally, it wasn't play Freebird. It was fucking um, play Smoke on the Water. Is what people used to shout. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, once Freebird came out, we're like, we don't want that anymore. We want fucking, uh, we want Freebird. Um, so yeah, like I said, for me, the, uh, one of the most influential songs of the 70s. Now, it, it's, got, it's got one foot with like, it's kind of lead guitar work. Which because like the whole stadium rock comes yeah. huge later in the seventies, fucking huge, and I think that owes an awful lot to just simply that solo. That solo is fucking insane, insane. Especially the, the album cover. It just goes on way too long, and the, the, like dum dum diddly 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 bum bum diddly diddly. It's, it, there's nothing like that. It is actually hard to do a solo for that long without getting boring. F- fucking like, right. Trust me, I've heard Slash live, and yeah. he doesn't know how to uh, do it. He play a solo for 10 minutes and about a minute of that would be interesting. Honestly. Exactly. The, the beauty of that solo in Freeboard is that the band are changing up behind the solo, which yeah. makes it sound like it's in different parts. So uh, It's like someone dancing. That solo is someone dancing. Exactly. Like, but, but, but in different ways. You know, can see like, the arms flailing. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And every little scoop and going back down and then mm. back up again. And every like... I know, like, yeah. I, fuck it, I can't deny it. That's a great solo. Exactly. Like a, like but I think that solo is one of the things that influenced that kind of fucking big rock that came into the 70s. And then we ended up, eventually we ended up in the 80s with like fucking hair rock. You ended up with fucking Motley Crue yeah. and Poison and all this kind of stuff. But even later on down the road, that whole kind of Southern shit kicker fucking style that Leonard Skinner had, because the lads were knocking the bollocks out of each other on stage and all. Like we're talking yeah. that level, and obviously, fucking Ronnie Van Zant, the singer, was killed in, a, in an airplane crash alongside one of the, yeah. the backup singers. The rest of the band are horrifically injured. They're still kind of doing the rounds. They, they brought in um, what's his name? Is it Robbie Van Zant, his brother, who was also a singer. They brought his brother in right. to sing for a while. But like, there's a fucking there's a new. I remember there was a version. load of them. Yeah, there's, there's a there's a bunch of them. There was a bunch of them at one stage, um, but like that long form music, um that wasn't necessarily experimental, much like we were talking about earlier with Zappa and stuff like that. This brought it into the kind of shit kicker, fucking yeah. rock and roll era. Um, I think like p- people forget that Leonard Skinner is still one of the biggest rock bands of all time. Yeah. Because it, we're not in America. We don't listen. We don't li- we, in Ireland, we don't like, and we don't we, like, I know loads of people are mad into them. We see the, the patches, a lot of them, which yeah. shouldn't be wearing anymore. Mm. Whatever. But mm. like, um, in America, they are, Bigger than probably bigger than Bon Jovi. Still, but realistically, because they probably are. I don't know. It's hard to know, but they, it's hard yeah, look, to know from from over here. But yeah, that was bon, jo- that bon Jovi never really influenced anybody. Let's be honest. Nah. They, they were part of a of a wheel, a cog in a wheel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know what I mean, let's be honest. Exactly. Uh, but that was my choice for the seventies. Who was your choice for the eighties? Yeah, moving to the eighties. Uh, not that hard for me, really. Like eighties being my favorite era of music, but really not that yeah. hard because it's Michael Jackson Thriller. I have to, yeah, have to talk about yeah. how big this song was and for all the different reasons. Musically on its own could be very easily argued. Yeah. But just the song, just the raw audio on its own. But even then, I've got backups for all that. So mm. 
So not that Michael Jackson wasn't the best in the game yeah. before the eighties. This was the first time I think that he really stepped outside the Motown comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. That was Triller. That was that album, which was him going, I'm done with disco. Bar, bar a couple of the songs on it. Yeah, that yeah. Have, you know, touch, but they're more of a funk. Mm. Back to, you know, disco was a bit cheaper. D- disco and funk are very different. I think yes. you know that and I know that. A lot of people don't couldn't tell the difference. Like, oh, come on. No, there's a bit. There's that was plastic. Yeah. Yeah. So... He also went in a more rock direction with Thriller, which is still to this day, I think, one of the best reinventions that has ever happened in music. Mm. Talking about Madonna constantly reinventing herself. And even Aerosmith are a great example of of bands that are the Nickelback and Coldplay doing it in all the wrong ways. Yes, backwards, Um, doing it backwards. Yeah, but I think that this was one of the most dangerous steps. Mm. I don't think Quincy Jones really liked the idea of it at all. Yeah. But I think Michael Jackson was like, no, like there was a huge backlash against disco. So we're just randomly just yeah, like over and away. Yeah, no, fuck this. Yeah, yeah. no, sick of this now. Yeah. We hated it when the force came in. Rockers hated it when the force came in. We got used to it and they wanted it gone again. Yeah. Kiss are a classic example of that. Yes. Um. So, beat it, and even Billy Jean have a real snarl to them, a real mm. swagger in the songs. And I think Thriller is the precursor to Bad. I think Bad Bad's a much better album. Mm. But Thriller is literally the start of the rock funk. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jackson, that is the, the, just absolutely... Like, before this, he was still obviously huge from being in the Jackson 5. And After while is a savage disco album. Mm. But, like, it's not Thriller or bad yeah, yeah, exactly. or even Dangerous. Yeah. I actually prefer it to Dangerous, but yeah, listen mm. into that another time. So, right. Not only was the track thriller, a more rock orientated kind of song that we're used to seeing from Michael Jackson. It had one of the most influential and revolutionary videos that yeah. has ever happened in the Without history. Shadow, that's, why, that's why, yeah, that's why thriller is a package. It's not just a song. Yes. It's yes. a package of the whole thing. Yeah. So when it came out, it kind of hit from all angles. It had a funk rock song, but a mini John Landis horror movie in yeah. it. Yeah. That they showed in the cinema. Yeah, yeah, with choreography that yeah. wasn't really being choreography wasn't even really being done at the no, time. No, you seen it like that. Wasn't a thing. So in a lot, yeah, so in a lot of ways, I think Triller's influence comes. It goes equally from the, mm. the visuals than it does the song. Yeah, like I said, it's the package, isn't it? And like, I cannot imagine another type of video for Thriller, no matter how much I try. What like the song? The title would be garbage. <laughs> yeah. What like what? Like imagine he wasn't dressed up as a zombie dancing around. Yeah, you'd be like thriller. You'd be like what are you talking about? Yeah, shut up, you sap. This does this means you don't think about it. It was oh, it's like a horror thing. Brilliant, yeah. and it will always be a Halloween song, but it'll also be more than that as well. Yeah. So, beat it actually came out almost six months, I think, before this, and it's an arguably arguably a more influential song musically on its own mm. but because of the video yeah thriller, that video made all the difference all the fucking difference yeah. like. so that's just the kind of start of it before Thriller black artists including Michael Jackson's videos mm. his own videos could barely get on MTV yeah exactly but with this song being so good and the video so compelling the uh, MTV as well as that I was going to say MTV just decided they didn't really just decide so CBS Records uh, Walter yet. Yetnikov, I think his name is, he came out and sa- said to MTV, quote, I'm not going to give you any more videos. If you I'm, don't going to go, I'm going to go public and tell them all about the fact that you don't want to play music by a black guy. They're like, oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 no
So, so this was the start, really, see, genuinely, of black artists being played on MTV regularly. It just took the best thing ever to happen in music, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. For them to really have their arms twisted. Even though there was like incredible stuff happening before, it needed to be the biggest thing, the biggest thing ever. Yeah. And then it changed um, the way a lot of record labels marketed music because now videos were as important as the song. That mm. was, that's the that step going forward, the yeah. influence that I had on that. And my favorite thing about Thriller is influ- influence was is that the difference, there's a difference between popular rock music like mm. Elvis and the Rolling Stones and rock in pop music. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. it means that years later, because of Thriller, we have rock infused pop that some people yes. hate, but I fucking love. Girls yeah. Allowed, Sound of the Underground. Mm. Fighter by Christina Aguilera, mm. Left Outside Alone by Anastasia. Mm. Like, I love those fucking songs. Yeah, of course. Because it's genuinely good riffs, some of tattoos stuff as well. That's that's one example of how musically it did it, regardless of the videos. Yeah. Because we do not want to ever talk about the video for Left Outside Alone by Anastasia, unless that was the one that was only allowed shown after nine o'clock. That's cool. Like that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> once again, as a Michael Jackson record as well, last point about it. Mm it changed the game of recording quality production as well. Yeah. It pushed it sonically to an absolutely new place. Mm. It just, it just didn't sound like anything else as well. So that's, that's on a, on a technical level as well. So yeah, Thriller is my most influential song of the eighties. It pipped yeah. public enemies fight the power just to the posts. I think. I know. I thought, I thought about that as well. Yeah. It's hard. I, to, isn't yeah. It? I really, hard really to. thought about that. So that was my, give me your, give me your eighties one. Uh, my eighties one, uh, like you said, it was going to be Public Enemy, Fight the Power. It really, mm. really was. And then I thought about it. I was like, you know, I kind of wanted to, I, I wanted to keep, uh, I wanted to keep that one in my back pocket in case I couldn't, yeah, yeah. I couldn't figure it out. Um, and I decided it's 89, it was 89 as well. So it's very late. Like, again. It, it is 80s and it is influential. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I went with a 1983 as Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Relax. That's what I right, did. Give, right, give me this um, I saw it and I was like, banger, but yeah, I, I won't. Um, we, don't, I never, we never ask each other about the stuff before. It's no, no, it just goes waste into a list. All, <laughs> yeah, don't all on the waste that good jib. Podcast, podcast. Yeah, just keep, that, <laughs> keep that for the recording. Um, uh, two fronts, again. Uh, I don't, there hadn't really been a band that were so controversial since the Sex Pistols, right? Uh, yeah. the Sex Pistols in 77 were just fucking banned across the board, kicked off the record label, the whole shebang. That was mostly down to fucking the fact that the lads in the band were fucking scumbags, especially Sid, and um, the fact that they, the name of them. John, and John Lydon started pretending to be one. Yeah, exactly, being like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> I was trying to goad you into doing your Lydon impression. No, I was just getting more and more dark crystal every time. Um <laughs> no I can't do it I can't do it just make noises right, like that right. yeah, John Lloyd we'll do, it, we'll do it on the radio show for like an yeah, hour straight exactly. Crowd, crowd. Um, <laughs> so uh, like I said two fronts one uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood were banned across the fucking board in uh, 1984 so this this song uh, Relax comes out in 1983 I think the mm. album came out in 1984 actually um, but right. this was this was a time where like the single could be could precede the album by like six months, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there was a DJ in BBC Radio One or whatever it was was playing "Relax" and he was like fucking talking about it. like this song is great. And uh, in the middle of the song, he looks over and sees the sleeve, and he's like, "What the fuck is this?" And flips it over, and he starts reading all the stuff on the sleeve, 
and he's just like, this is absolutely <laughs> fucking obscene. And in the middle of the record, <laughs> pulls it off, says it on air, that'll never be played on this fucking radio station again. And it starts, <laughs> it starts this fucking, now, while he done this, this song was number six in the charts, right? What is it? I can't remember what song. I don't oh, know if I've around that album. Fucking lads cuddling each other. Let's put it that way. <gasps> and, and, um, Shocking. <laughs> that, that, lead, that leads into why this is so influential in, in, in the next one. But uh, when once BBC pulled the plug and fucking loads of people start fucking pulling the plug, once like BBC were definitely and still kind of are the trendsetters. They're lost. It's a fucking banger. Exactly. It's outrageous. So it went from being number six in the charts to being number one in the charts. <laughs> within two, within two I love days, it. yeah, I love just it. like they they fucked themselves over. Everybody started talking about it. Fucking in the newspapers, BBC decides to pull the homosexual song off fucking air because of obscene content and blah blah blah. blah. Um, so <laughs> I actually found out something real cool that I'll tell you now in a second. But the uh, they, they made four music videos for for relax. And there were all four. four different music videos. One of them was actually made by Brian De Palma, who made Scarface and The Untouchables. Oh, yeah. He made one. The first one, who made the first one? Fuckity fuck. Someone famous made the first video. And that they just kept getting banned. Because it's, it's, it's like that kind of... Okay, this leads into this, into, into secondly, wider, more influential, is that they were unabashedly homosexual. Yeah. Like, the, the whole concept of Frankie Goes to Hollywood like actually the name I found out as well was from um, from a magazine about Frank Sinatra going to uh, America and that was just a headliner of an article Frankie Goes to Hollywood I thought it was going to be mad deep they found out about that no. there's more more there as well yeah. don't ever talk about him like that again <laughs> exactly don't, don't, <laughs> don't bring, bring don't, good don't, Frankie's name yeah, into don't the... bring fucking old blue eyes into your fucking gay <laughs> shit um, but the fact that they were gay they were unabashedly gay their videos were gay it was them and fucking steel mills and all this kind of shit they were one of the first kind of gay bands that took it seriously. You had like village people before in the 70s, but that was very I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's super novelty. Yeah, Even it's though they've got novelty. a few bangers, they were, they, definitely they, were, they were never, they were just hounded and humiliated. Yeah, but also, you, you need to understand... But they're both of every joke. Every uh, joke. Uh, for us as kids as well. Oh yeah, 100%. 100%. What I mean. um, but also, like village people were put together by, uh, I think it was a French guy. A French guy put them together, a gay French guy who um, met... Uh, I think he might have met the village people weren't even a band. It was a singer. His second name was Willis. I can't remember his first name. Um, he met him in a gay bar and he was like, I'm after coming over here to uh, get a little label started and maybe you want to sing for me. And they yeah. put some stuff together and then they decided to show all the kind of, all the shapes and colors and, and, and cultures of America in this band, the village yeah. people. And they just hired a lot of dancers. Everybody in that band was a dancer. And then your man Willis, who was the singer and the songwriter left. And so you're just left with this kind of karaoke version of the band. Yeah. But anyway, but that, like, I think we I talked said, about we talked about like before just just to make this like more of a dangerous thing that they did. Yeah, we talked about Jabriot before. Do you remember the yes. first openly gay, yes, mainstream rock star, and yeah. how the record label went? Let's never do that again. Yes, exactly. This, this wasn't too long later. This is 1983. Like this is yeah. Well, he died in 83. So yeah. so yeah. But he was doing it in the mid to late 70s and it took until then for them to go are we allowed like push gay music like, exactly well yeah you, you have to look at what frankie goes to hollywood and, and, and holly johnson in particular like how they pushed the kind of the way the public looked at and phrased music 
that was kind of in the gay spectrum. Like, like I said, before this, you had the fucking, it's fun to stay at the what and go west, and then I'm fucking in the Navy. Like, they're all mad yeah. tongue-in-cheek kind of garbage. They're fun, but they don't have any musical, like, they're not muso fucking music. Like, you couldn't be seriously into the village people. You just couldn't be. But, like, everything I that said, was on, No, I was digging into what I said of a few bangers, the hidden maybe. bangers. Yeah, We're looking for something. But I know what you mean. Like, it's it's marketed. Exactly. It's just as, Barney the Dinosaur. And it wasn't even... Like, there was interviews came out later saying, we weren't a gay band. What are you talking about? Like, and everyone oh, in the world yeah. is looking at them going, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like literally, the, like, you were shooting videos and steel mills and all. That's why Holly Johnson, when they were making videos, they were kind of taking the piss out of the village people a little bit, but doing it in a serious manner because Frankie Goes to Hollywood were a serious fucking band. Like, they, they, yeah. formed, they formed out with a, like, out of uh, this kind of weird Liverpool punk scene. Yeah. And there was loads of people from that, that kind of, Loads of people that were in these punk bands with guys from uh, Frankie Costa Hollywood went on to be fucking like huge and other bands. Um, I actually wrote it down and then I, I lost the piece of paper that I wrote down all the other bands that were kind of associated with Frankie Costa Hollywood. I fucking <laughs> lost the bass mix. Um, so as, as, the, as the 80s kind of goes on, you start getting into this, you know, you start getting kind of culture club and stuff like that. Um, and it becomes more of a, you've got kind of Bowie and you've got more kind of androgynous, are they, aren't they? gay yeah they might be they might not be they're kind of yeah. too afraid to lean on any one particular you know like boy george comes out in like 1995 it was like yeah i'm gay and the whole was like fucking right you were like like uh, uh, whatever fucking year it was holly johnson was like this is fucking like frank goes to hollywood art super fucking gay like this is yeah. what we're into much, much and like the, at the time do you know what it was well at the time it's like you get these people who are like are in the middle or they think they're in the center yes so, look I don't mind that they're gay, but why do they have to rub it in my face? Now I'm off to listen to uh, ACDC and Guns N' Roses. Yes. Talk about Royden Mott. Just all the talk about Gargland okay. and Royden. But like, yeah, so, these so lads are doing the same. Like. Oh, yeah. It's the same. <laughs> yeah, same thing. <laughs> he's yeah. literally not doing anything mad. He's just doing the, the things that he likes. Exactly. <laughs> he's not into Mott. Yeah, exactly. So he's got to sing about it. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, I think that Frankie Goes to Hollywood, a relaxing particular song, was so fucking huge. I think it was incredibly influential for gay culture in the 80s. Um, yeah, it's huge. For, and it was for, one of the first success stories. Exactly. Uh, for cl- club goers as well, who would have, because um, there were gay clubs and they did have, um, they did have their, a lot of their own artists and stuff like that as well. But to have it to, for it to go backwards, to have like a gay artist influence fucking bog standard straight people super clubs all over fucking the world would have absolutely been a massive boon for that kind of for that culture yeah. you know for, for mm. people wouldn't have copped it instantly like people would have went out and bought that album and then kind of read the liner notes and looked at the photos and went hang the fuck on like does, I never like my, my, my Elfler was obsessed with Frankie Goss to Hollywood like they were one of his favorite favorite fans <laughs> for years and I was like fuck I think it was like 1990 something I'd whatever I'd listened to it a thousand times since I was a kid and I was like you know Holly Johnson's gay and I'm like, not gay so like, da like e- get me gay and he's like, like he and he turned around to me and said, yeah no yeah but like <laughs> oh, and I'm like, well, why didn't you just say that first time, you stupid cunt? I'm not on your street that's sweeper, like, mate. That's like being worried that t- listening to Tina Turner is going to turn you into an older black woman. Yeah, that's, exactly. It doesn't rub off on you. You can enjoy the shit out of it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> one of the, before, before we move off this, one of the things I found out that's fucking amazing, and I have to go and try and find it, and you will absolutely appreciate this. In 1983, when Relax came out, 
Ocean Software, the video game manufacturers, oh, made I a f- love, love hate with them. Yeah, they made a Frankie Goes to Hollywood game. Did they? They made a Frankie Why Goes to flash? Hollywood. Where is this? Where is this? Where, 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 you've dusted off some old cobweb there. Yeah. <laughs> you knew that, Paul. Like, no, but I only half knew. That's right. There was many strokes you just gave me. Thanks. The game. <laughs> this is mental. The game was a—I uh, don't know whether you were meant to be in the band or just a regular person, or whatever. But the whole game was based around the lyrics from uh, "Welcome to the Pledge Down" from the album, and right. uh, the whole concept of the game is that you have to explore this place called Mundaneville to try and find the Pleasure Dome. Right, <laughs> that was the, that was the idea of the of the game, but it came with like a live cassette of Frankie Goes to Hollywood, but the, it had all these like micro levels in it that were based on uh, song lyrics that they, they fucking walked around. And one of the first levels, wait, you hear this, one of the first levels is called The Sea of Holes. Do, I like this because I like video games. I should look, whatever. Yeah. No, I mean, I like the idea. Of it. It just, it, it, it put that one on me very sharply. Right? That's all right, though. That's all right. Um, just for people that are not listening, Ocean is like, then what EA is now like a massive yes, they, they sucked massive. everybody up they sucked oh, yeah. everybody up back in the day yeah um, so yeah I'm going to try and find a copy of the of the of, of the fucking Frankie Austin Hollywood video game just we so I can play that level that. The Sea of Holes which is what I want to play that sounds great I'd be mad into that game his, uh, his autobiography is called A Bone in My Flute really? yep oh very cool uh, so that's my 80s choice so we're moving on to our 90s we're on the 90s. We're on yeah. the 90s. We're having a ball. Who is your choice yeah. for the 90s? So people that listen to the podcast a lot or the radio show or us. Or, we, we don't know why you do any of them, but look, fucking you do. We'll probably know what's coming yeah. from both of us on this one. But look, it's important. 90s is very important. Mm. I knew when I heard this song for the very first time, I remember where I was. I remember the exact position in the room. I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking... I'm listening to something that is 100% groundbreaking. Yeah. This is definitely quite rare. And it's uh, Paranoid Android in 1997 by Radiohead. First time I heard it, I just got this. What the fuck? Now, I was already a big... I waited for ages for this because I was a massive Radiohead fan. Mm. I think it might have been Eddie Temple Morris on MTV that was like, it's coming up, don't worry, it's coming up. Mm. I'm like, yeah, 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 Mm. deadly, 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 deadly. Um, And that animated video and bits of it were blurred. Like... I always remember the hairs in the back of my neck standing up. Yeah. Um, about, like, about 40 seconds into it going, <gasps> what? This, what? what is happening? And yeah. at first, I didn't know if I liked it or not because, I'm, mm. you know, you ha- it, had to, it had to break what you thought mm. because I was mad into radio, mad into them from the first album. Yeah, I think know. the, like, the gas thing is, I don't think, I no, it was about a year before I heard Anima by Thule. And I, was, mm. I honestly think maybe Paranoid Android in 1997 might have been the last time I got that excited about what was happening in my ears. Yeah. Like that excited. I've got been excited since. Yeah, me too. Like, don't get me wrong, but that was just like a moment where like, you feel like a snapshot. Yeah. A snapshot of yeah. where you were in the room. I can remember what my man's sitting room looked like then. Yeah. When you die and your life flashes before your eyes, that will be a feature of it. Like that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I remember standing up. I remember looking behind me going, I hope no one else comes into the room for mm. loads of reasons. I don't want them to interrupt because this song keeps changing. We're on the third yeah. part of it now. What's going on? Chapters. Yeah. I also don't want them to start asking me, what is the third yeah, well, song? That's, that's mad. Yeah. Um, it's mad because it, it was prog in yeah. indie's little space mm. on indie channels, on indie shows, in indie magazines, uh, in a band 
from a band who were up until then what I consider sort of indie bands. Yeah. No, maybe at the time that wasn't such a bad thing to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, the Benz was phenomenal. Yeah. But that album gave me or anyone else no indication what was this was come after it. Yeah. After it. There, just, was t- there was tiny little bits in the Benz where it was like, that's weird. Why are they doing that? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. But it wasn't an indication at all. No. Because like you heard Street Spirit and all and you were like, oh, that's cool so cool. yeah they went from like a grungy indie pop band yeah. with Pablo Honey to mm. a much more like you said it's a more taut invoking mature yeah. rock band where you're like oh that's that's quite a jump but yeah. the jump after that was bananas it's still still relevant now like if someone released yeah. an album that good now it might not be the only reason it wouldn't be it's because it was Radiohead that did it you know, it's hard to know who would have done OK Computer yeah. if Radiohead hadn't the, the way I always feel about this type of thing is that I'm waiting on the next album like that to come out but even if the next album does come out it will never be the same because it's not OK Computer like and also, it, we're it not, has its own slot on the shelf like and yeah. nothing else will ever be on that shelf I can't wear that album out no matter how it's hard impossible it's like, I, honest to God that's, that's like crazy. cheese pizza you know what I mean fucking once yeah. every couple of days no problem what's bread sauce and cheese what's fucking you eat that all the time anyway you know what I mean there's nothing what the fuck is wrong with that yeah. you know it's delicious it's, and it's it's just, just it's un it, you can't argue it's unmistakably influential it's Shit. yeah because it, it raised the bar so high overnight when that came out not just just this song in particular came yeah. out Britpop died a death it was already dying but that over. one put the gun against yeah. the head and went Britpop it's yeah, over. see you later. Like, yeah. it's just you, over. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah, uh, you can't do little bluesy riffs anymore. Yeah, your pub rock, pub rock yeah. is dead. See you later. And I love loads of Brit, Brit pop. I yeah. fucking love it. Supergrass, one of my favorite bands of all time. Like so I love if, loads of that shit. Like so, 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 they became like I think they became like the next Pink Floyd with that. That was oh, like yeah. okay, we're in we're in Pink Floyd territory. Except I love Radiohead way more than Pink. Yeah. Floyd. Yeah, um, this is an album full of like complex music but a lot of noises and electronic parts that we hadn't really heard from them before mm. Mm. Um, I don't think those parts have dated at all and they should have no they should have 100% think, some of Radiohead's drum bits after have dated but not this it's too perfect it's encased in ice yeah it's, in my it's, memory it's, it's encrypted and not even Superman can break it open like, it's, it's just, like yeah. just the most amazing dystopian masterpiece of an album that I've yeah. ever heard and I yeah. ever will hear um, apart from one or two we'll get into those like yeah. rap, certain rap albums that I think are the okay computer but um, this raised the bar hugely for all rock bands after that and influenced influenced countless post-rock bands that big time it, yeah. it, um, they created Radiohead Light when Muse came out yeah um, they influenced everything Kanye sounded West. stupid after this they fucking really they struggled people yeah. struggled yeah. like like that's what I'm saying Muse was for people who couldn't like the entry level Radiohead yeah. because if people although arguably Radiohead first two albums were the entry level to this but whatever um, like I said before it's really really hard to quantify yeah uh, I think I, th- I always influence. said that I, I thought Muse just continued the bands they just kept making yeah. the bands again and I, again we've said this a thousand times I like the first couple of Muse albums they're grand later on it's garbage yeah um, but I, I also feel around. that way about Radiohead. I know you, you have a different opinion. For me, I yeah. can't, I can't, I can't sink me. I don't like, I, I don't like everything they've done after that. But yeah. I do think there's some. 
I do think you can create another album almost as good as OK Computer from the other stuff. And I There's definitely bits album. that I really like on, on some of those other yeah. albums, but uh, I don't think I could, I don't think I could cut together. Um, I'd have to go out it my takes, way. The, it takes a, a good few listens. Like I didn't yeah. like Kid A the first time I heard it, but now I like Kid A a lot. Mm. Look, um, they... Like I said, it's, it's hard to quantify the influence, but there's no doubt that they completely changed the landscape and you could hear it with everything that kind of happened, especially people, oh God, there was a lot of people, like I said, Muse, when they first started off, I give them a pass because I did like them. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's Radiohead, Paranoid Android, yeah. as my most influential song from the 90s, apart from the one mm. that you're about to tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the most obvious song on the playlist uh, by far. I mean, they're all pretty obvious, but this one is... If you just, didn't pick this, I would have. Yeah, it had to be done. Uh, this is... Their band and their song that I think is the reason there are still bands in 2020. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. It's. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I think it's the reason that there are still guitar bands in the world. Um, yeah. I think it's the reason that the 2000s were, were strong. No, that's, that's Fontaine's DC, man. They saved guitar music. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's just, this was their alternative music national anthem and uh, love it or hate it you cannot deny that this is the song that launched a hundred thousand bands like some of your favorite bands exactly and even even like placebo yeah definitely like without grunge jesus christ if we didn't have grunge we'd have lost so much stuff exactly the way that like okay computer killed like uh Rip up this yeah. killed glam. Real. This, this definitely killed this. Really? Uh, yeah, really? <laughs> like uh, alternative music. Like, uh, okay, so Nirvana formed in like 1987, uh, but and they, they, they spent some time on sub pop, and then there was a weird yeah. fucking uh, weird deal there struck between uh, Geffen and sub pop, and there was a weird fucking record labels, record labels after. Oh my god, like. Well, the distribution mostly, like, we can't make enough of these <laughs> albums to sell out. Like, yeah, so. that's mm-hmm. why you'll find uh, with the vinyl version of Nevermind is uh, people are real fucky over it. You have to find, there's only two or three countries. If you're buying an original press, you have to buy it from, uh, there's, there's literally only two or three countries where the quality was good enough. Because the rest of Germany, like, Germany is one of them. That's oh, where, it's Germany? Germany, yeah. That's, that's where my one came from anyway. Um because I looked for it for fucking years. I, I, have, I have every single other Nirvana album and I never had, never mind up until about two years. And what's the story with the pressing of the rest of them there? They were just off. pissed out real quick and uh, oh, they sound a little, they, they sound all right, but they don't sound great. You know what I mean? Um, mm. I think it was Germany, maybe France and like Canada or something like Is that. Germany the ones that put out uh, Body Count with Cop Killer on yes. the thing, weren't they? Yeah, they're the only ones you can find. It's the German <laughs> copy of uh, Body Count with Cop Killer on it. Um, but that, that's been built like the death as well. That uh, also never mind. It's been built like the fucking death. So alternative music. By the time this came around, like Nirvana were in the mix with all these other fucking sub pop bands. Yeah, Mud Honey and fucking <coughs> Soundgarden and all this kind of shit. And they, they had definitely there was a big scene there in particular in that kind of Pacific Northwest region of the states. But across the rest of the world, like alternative music was kind of on the on the out. Like the the Pixies had kind of kind of risen to a certain height and then fucked off. And um, hair metal was fucking huge. <laughs> the Pixies, Pixies were broken up before they really got. Yeah, that before like they 80, got going. Eighties, very like very eighty eight or eighty nine or so. I think yeah. they yeah. yeah. So uh, what happened when Nirvana hit is they basically just killed 
glam music. They just destroyed oh. it and they destroyed a lot of pop. And what happened afterwards is that fucking this kind of alternative music and for some reason hip hop as well start coming up with it. And they both became kind of two sides of the one coin. So if you think yeah. back to that that period, oh, you've got like I always think back yeah, to that. Exactly. So you think back to that period, you've got like, you know, kind of never mind fucking blasting off, and then you've got like uh, uh fucking doggy style or something, you know, fucking yeah. rocketing up as well. Like there were always two sides, and you've got like Cypress Hill, you've got fucking House of Pain. Um, and like and, and at the same time you'd have loads of rappers absolutely mad into Nirvana. Oh, yeah, wearing, yeah. Wearing the T-shirts. Exactly. Going, Fuck, this is the real deal. Like, this is actually, exactly, that was the beauty As of it. As they say, game recognises game. Exactly, real <laughs> recognises fucking real. Like, that's the way it fucking goes. So they effectively destroyed the kind of glam movement and the big pop music, uh, pop movement as well of the late 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, you're fucking uh, new kids on the block and fucking, like, I don't know, bros, I don't fucking know. Pull, pick a, pull a name out of your fucking hole. Um, these like, bands, there, was, there was much like new metal. There was a lot of bands jumping on the grunge bandwagon. Exactly. And, this and, is, and I let I let them away with it, but Aerosmith were one of those. Oh yeah, everyone. Even Kiss put out one there. Uh, put uh, yeah. Revenge. Revenge actually oh, great yeah. album. It's a great album. Yeah, they actually yeah. 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 do that. Um, yeah, and they, sure. they had a crack at it, and they fucking. It's not the same, but even Kiss no. were like the first album where they didn't have makeup on, and they're all wearing like yeah. fucking flannel shorts and leather jackets and all. Yeah. Ooh. They'll do whatever. Yeah, whatever. They, it's going back. Yeah. yeah, but that album's actually pretty good. So what yeah. happens when this when this song hit and it, 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 this fucked up the entire record industry? This song, and um, because nobody saw it coming, nobody saw this song being that big of a hit and yeah. what happened then was that all the A&R people and all the record labels apparently this happened worldwide where they all had these like emergency meetings and were like what the fuck like we're after putting billions into fucking pick a band pick a group pick a singer and it's selling yeah. nothing and all anybody wants is this fucking Nirvana band they want this smells like Teen Spirit song they can't get enough of it how are we going to break this to Whitney Houston exactly so what happened was all these labels they literally start buying up Every single guitar band in America and England and Canada, they just bought them. They just bought them. They yeah. threw insane money at these bands. That's how you end up with your bushes and your fucking whatever, you know. Um, mm. They just threw money like fucking maniacs across the board. And that then, even though this was them panicking, trying to like come up with a competitor to Nirvana, all they done was create this tidal wave of great fucking rock music. You know what I mean? You end up with your yeah. rocker from the crypts. You end up with your fucking bushes. You end up with, like, throw a fucking dart at a wall. But do you a, remember a it also? It also actually bled into the English scene. Like, Placebo are technically an English band. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they, they started up there. And then you've got other American bands that came up bigger in England, like uh, Three Colors Red. Yeah. So the grunge was mixing with English. Exactly. That, that English indie scene. scene. And that, oh, exactly. That's great. Exactly. Oh, great. Yeah, what you had, you had this fucking. Yeah, I always had two faces to the fucking rock scene. I always said you had your kind of your fucking kind of bright and and chunky bouncy rock music, and then you had your yeah. kind of miserable rain and English fucking rock music as well. Um, it's such a weird fucking thing that this one song like fucked everything up. For everybody, like because A and R didn't see it coming, record labels didn't see it coming, and this tiny little fucking label sub pop had created this fucking monster. And the first people to jump on it were Geffen. That's why like sub pop are huge. If you go to um, you go to like Seattle Airport, sub pop have a shop there that sells t-shirts and records in the airport. Yeah. Like they have their own stores. That's how fucking big it is. Um, and That's before so that, many people go there just 
to just to go to Sub Pop stores. Sub Pop are a fucking ridiculously important record label, and we should do a yeah. show about them at some stage. But um, this song was so fucking big. Like, no single band has ever influenced that many people to pick up instruments. I don't think. Like we could talk about the Beatles all day. And like, oh my Beatles, god! Yeah. Like, but the way I I always look at it is that if you go back to the sixties, instruments were still fucking expensive. Yeah, as well as that. Uh, you couldn't pick up the guitar and just start playing Beatles songs. They're still quite tricky and hard. Oh yeah, exactly. Like they, 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 people say they're not, but they fucking are. But uh, this was the yeah, this was almost punk. Yeah, exactly. Well, so they, they pick it up. Kurt Cobain yeah. has always said that like his favorite band were like Black Flag. The first band he ever went to see were Black Flag, and he wanted to be yeah. in Black Flag. You know what I mean? That was always his gig, and you definitely hear loads of that kind of dissonant fucking guitar screeching and fucking that kind of driven punky backbeat that that yeah. role eventually brought to it that, that's all kind of fucking hardcore punk stuff <coughs> but he found a way uh when you go back and you listen listen to fucking bleach listen to bleach like he just had this weird kind of formula that became that we think of now if you hear it you go like oh but okay you know a jingle jangle fucking verse and a big fucking chorus like that was definitely around but it was nirvana who fucking perfected it like it was there before it was there before Nevermind and it was absolutely nailed to the fucking mast by Nevermind so every other band go and listen to fucking 16 Stone by Bush which was a huge album as well like every song is just he even sounds a bit like him that comes to English it does you know what I mean he's doing the same fucking stuff and they're bringing in I think even Butch Vig might have been on that bleeding might have produced that album like probably like he was Butch Vig became the guy you know what I mean? And he yeah. took all those lessons and was like, let's not my own fucking man, let's just do garbage. You know what I mean? Let's do our own fucking thing and just do yeah. female Nirvana with some electronic stuff because keyboards are cool, lads. Like, and to be fair, I like loads of, loads of I garbage like, stuff. I like a lot of garbage. Yeah. I think it's mostly down to Shirley Manson though. Yeah, so she definitely has this, uh, she, she has a fucking a vibe about her, doesn't she? I feel like if that was an American singer, I would have went off them after a while and that's, that's not particularly it's not a great thing to say, but it's yeah. something about her being Scottish. And every interview, she was cool as fucking mad down to earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was never, never over the top. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's the nineties for me. Uh, and I, I think we might have nailed that, that era as well with those two uh, songs. Look, the two biggest ones. I'm sure. Like this, is what I'm saying. I'm sure there's people disagreeing. Well, you know what to do. Don't just disagree and go. Oh, there's something. Get on the treads. Start yeah. pulling tell us, us up on this. Tell thing. us, one hundred percent. So, uh, what is your next one? Two thousands. Not the best decade for music in general. It's fucking. I, I found the closer the decades get to ne- get to kind of now, the more wishy washy they get. I don't think they've been Course. solidified enough. Of course, because the the, the experimentation it, it can't be as uh, yeah rampant as it was from the seventies mm. and eighties with technology. So seventies were like people buying musical instruments, like you said, uh, to the. To, this, to the musical uh, to, to cheap electronics from Japan yeah. in the eighties, all the experimentation has to come to an end, and to a degree, uh, in like the broad spectrum, like yeah. eventually. And I reckon this is when we're starting to see the slowest. Mm. So the two thousands, um, this is a tough one. Actually, a tough enough one. Uh, yeah, it's difficult. Most influential song of the two thousands, I would put on. And if I think about it too much, I'll change it. So yeah, I'm gonna that's go Eminem without me, yeah, possibly my favorite rap song of all time, mm. and it's Pinnacle Eminem. The tip for yeah. me of tip best, uh, best song he's ever done. The t- pinnacle of his career, maybe yeah. as well. Um, it's not that I'm 
blown away that like a white rapper can have that level of success. That's not what that, that's not what impresses me. It's how accepted he became and cited as an influence yes. by some of the biggest names in the yeah. genre now and even around then. Yeah. So I reckon I reckon while the first two albums certainly impressed other rappers like Slim Shady LP and mm. Marshall Matters LP, I think it was the Eminem show around now in two thousand and two when this That's came definitely out. his that's the one that fucking sent the that's flare up. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think. And it was kind of downhill after that as well. It, it was. It was yeah. a rough that's fucking road. It's, it's peak. It's yeah. peak. It's on the way up there. Even if you listen to, if you listen to the first two Eminem albums, you know, they're not solid all the way through. Really no, there's actually. bits of amaze. Yeah, amaze. And there's other bits where are corny and he's trying too hard. It's, yeah. Um, like, what's that? Uh, Bad Me to Evil, I think, of the first one. I think it's my favourite yeah. song. It's fucking super. It's Th- super. So this, 2002 is where the... He got the quirkiness just right for the yeah. charts, yeah, and just right for other rappers as well. I think to go right, he was just this mad, weird drug kid, yeah. But now he's just got this swagger. He's talking about how great he is properly, and now he is great. We can tell he knows. Great. He knows now. Yeah, yeah. He his quirkiness had it. It wasn't as outrageous as it was around then, but mm. it was boisterous, and I think. Like, we had, in 1996, we had Buster Rhymes, who was mm. the quirky game-changer yeah. rapper. Um, I think he had a massive influence on Eminem. But yeah. we're talking about 2002, so I'm not talking about Buster Rhymes right now. I think Eminem influenced people like... Well, I know this because we're in the land of interviews now where you can read so many interviews. Yeah. Twitter, the creator, cites him as a massive influence. Mm. He says, remembers the day you said he was nine years old when... Slim Shady LP or possibly one after. That's terrifying. Uh, Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar, the biggest, the most important person in rap now, possibly. Uh, that's arguable, actually. That's really arguable because considering what I'm about to go into after this. But, I remember the um, first time I ever heard, I heard fucking, um, heard Eminem was fucking, hi, my name is, or whatever. My name is. Yeah. And I, was, I was bunking off school and I was hiding out in, where the fuck was I? The, there used to be a pool hall on Sackville Place off of Collins Street. I don't know. It's probably still there. Um, just down beside the, the little side road beside Cleary's. And we used to niche yeah. off school and go in and hide there and just play pool all day. And they'd have like MTV on, on fucking, on the TVs in the corner. And I remember I was waiting on my turn to shoot pool. The other lad was fucking knocking balls. And the, off, the song comes on. I'm like, the fuck is that? <laughs> and I sat there and they played it again. About 20 minutes later, I remember going home. I think I told this story before. I went, I went home and I shaved my hair real short and I bleached it blonde. And Jesus. I was like, that's how I got my yeah, ear pierced ready. and all. Got my yeah, ear I'm pierced ready for this. Yeah. Got my Holy ear pierced shit. and everything. Yeah. And then I got infected. Uh, I got infected. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. should have went to the fucking uh, March of the Juggalos or whatever you call exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. Honest to God, looked like a ropey juggalo. But that's, um, that's, that was real important to me as well. Yeah. So, like I said, he had the he was the first one that I knew of to do the kind of horror and cartoonish kind of yeah. themes mixed together before Made a Twitter the Creator and uh stuff like he did talk slightly darker themes. It was less like gangland murder and more. Yeah. He was a ser- serial killer. He's yeah. mad. Like yeah. so before J. Cole and Chance the Rapper and all are out there saying Eminem is huge influence on me because these are the rappers who were growing up at mm. the time Eminem was out. So he is massively influential, and I think I don't think he's far from the guy who did the most for rap. But in two thousands, you have to remember he gave rap a shot in the arm. 
Yes. Yes. Because I, I think that rap, its worst decade is the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. I going. think 2010 onwards is so much better. Yeah. Than it's the it's a different animal. Yeah. Think about it. You, you've, you've got all your best gangster rap is gone. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah, and this you're, is, you're still, now into like Puff Daddy and fucking Mace yeah, and all this exactly. stuff. Exactly, like you're into yeah. this real pop yeah. stuff, and you're also yeah. 10 years away from more experimental and honest rap as well. Yeah. yeah. So you just, yeah, like you said, Puff Daddy did not do anyone any favors. Thanks no. for Biggie and all that, but like he yeah, would have been fuck off. Anyway. Exactly. Um, so yeah, for me, I know a lot of people that got into rap because of this song. Very know. much. Yeah. And it's not, I don't think it was because he was white. I just think it was because. It had never been presented to them wrapped up like a cartoon, like a yeah, horror cartoon before. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, to a lot of people that I know. Um, and I think that people who were into rap also loved it because of the bangers. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're not going to say, oh no, I'm not into this for whatever yeah. reason. Riddle about bangers. Like, yeah. So look, controversial, mad outrageous. I think mm. this song, I think if I think about it too long, I'll find another song and it's in its 2000s that is yeah. more influential. Yeah. But it is a monster it's a mammoth yeah so uh, that was me um that was my one for the 2000s cool. who's uh my one is the strokes with last night oh yes big um uh it's this it's not going to take long to explain this uh it's a huge revival i remember this huge yeah revival. so uh they formed in new york in 1998 and uh they kind of, I think they've just been messing around. It, they actually kind of have a similar backstory to someone like Velvet Underground, where they were all kind of art students and, you know, they're yeah. kind of posh lads. You know, they had a few Bob, these cunts, you know, and they decided to start playing music. Um, they put out an EP, put out an EP, and I think in like, Jesus, when did they do it? Like 99, 2000, something like that. And it started this mega bidding war. With, with the record labels. So they literally, they were tripping over themselves trying to get a hold of it because nobody ever heard anything like this before. Mm. Now, I'm not a massive Strokes fan. They're fine. They're good. Like, I have it's a couple of records. This is it. Yeah. Um, eventually, uh, This Is It comes out in, uh, what fucking year did it come out? 2001. 2001, mm. that album comes out. Now, the reason I think this is important is because it sparks this kind of garage rock revival that is, we're still feeling to this day, like twenty years later, almost we're still feeling it. Yeah. Like well, off the back of them again, and for once I'm not giving a dig, but it is cited up until like recently with uh, Fontaine's mention as a huge influence. Oh yeah, like that so was a, still. I I know at least ten lads who are like big into garage rock and like into classic garage stuff like cramps and shit like that. Um, and primitives and all this, like all the way up to like stuff like Strokes and um, was it the the Matchbox eighties Matchbox Beeline disaster and all this yeah. kind of stuff like like uh, horrors. Do you, do you remember like, how danceable this song was? Oh yeah, it was you. Like, I remember like after after gigs in Wheelands, they kick you, out, make you come mm-hmm. back in again for the, yeah. the indie kind of club. Yeah. Man, they play like half of this album, if not more. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And New York City cops, all the money. Like, yeah. it's so dancey. Yeah, it's Jesus super, super happy. Um, like off the back of this, you're looking at like white stripes, libertines, the killers, yeah. Franz Ferdinand, uh, Far- Franz Ferdinand, the hives, um, Arctic monkeys. Like this album came very close to wiping out kind of new metal and hip hop. Um, yeah. That like like we said, you kind of got hip hop is in such a shallow shit state 
that like it didn't take much to push it yeah. over the edge. It, it 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 wasn't around long and it overstayed its welcome. And yes. I love it. But yeah. it wasn't out long and it, it's too long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but like uh, they actually said that there was there was nearly murder over it because apparently uh, last night is nearly is a lift of uh, American Girl by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And when Tom Petty found out, he heard it and he went, Grand, let him, it's fine. fine. He did that before, didn't he? he did that with something else. Yeah, I don't think he was much of a, much of a Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, Danny Kale phone, yeah. That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But then we, he's one of those guys, just whatever. Like, I got, I got my phone out then, then we figured he had lifted that from yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. a band. It was a, it was a triple lift, his keyboard player. His keyboard player was in another band that was that's touring. That's right. With him, and he, he was like, No, no, it's grand. It's like, Don't look into it, don't keep looking into it now. You're good, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. like if someone, if you ever stole something, it was on your mantelpiece, and someone came in and went, Or they stole it, and then you saw it on their mantelpiece, yeah. you couldn't say because you know that they knew you'd stolen it, yeah, yeah. Too much, yeah, and also too much time has passed as well. Like, you can't, can't, yeah. can't dig things up like that, uh, but yeah, that's I, I had to pick uh, last night just because we're still feeling like these reverberations kind of up until this day from like I said almost almost 20 years ago yeah um, like English rock music didn't go away like I said with Arctic Monkeys and yeah. even like Block Party and stuff like that yeah. uh, like there's so many of those bands and like you, you can draw that thread back to that fucking album like and there was know. even a vein of stuff like Test Icicles and yeah uh, uh, Cigarettes After Smoke I suppose the Cigarettes After Sex and there was a bunch of those bands that had little little nods across the board say say Deer Hunter yeah. There was fucking uh, uh, even folds. There's definitely loads of fucking uh, yeah. l- loads of uh, strokes in fold stuff as well. Like uh, it's 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 a huge album. Like I said, yeah, I'm yeah. not the biggest fan. I like this album in, in bits and bobs. I was overexposed to it when it first came out. I was definitely overexposed to this fucking song. But um, <laughs> the fact this is also like it's 2001, so you've got these lads start bringing a little bit of fucking style back into it as well. They were rough looking, but it was all kind of the best of gear. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they the denim like jacket was worn out, but it was like a fucking 1960s fucking vintage yeah. Levi's leather jacket, you know, kind of cowboy boots or fucking biker boots. Yeah. Like, it was well crafted by, by them. Yeah, and it, I fucking, I like them. I like them. Again, actually. yeah, again, you're dealing with fucking kind of art students and stuff like that as yeah. well, who, who know how to put the, the complete package together. Uh, but I think that's, mm. that's the 2000s. Yeah, it's not, it's not the best. Uh, it's not, it's not great. Um, so we're moving on to a, uh, 2010s I don't even know 60s 70s 80s 90s 2000s 2010s like how do you even 2010s. say it the old 10s it doesn't it doesn't uh, roll off the tongue like the, the rest tens. of them you'd say the 10s because no one ever thinks about like maybe. 90 and 10 maybe I don't know you can't say the 20s because that's definitely the 20s yeah I don't know yeah the 10s but then again I don't know 2010 we had a 10s already could you go like the 10 twos just Ten. Ten tools, the revenge. This time it's personal. I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't know. Tough. Isn't it? Music. Basically, when, you, when the era doesn't roll off the tongue, shy. We're going to get to the stage where people in 10 years are going to be talking about the 30s, but they'll be so young to us. They won't have a concept of the 30s that yeah. we know of, like jazz and yeah. shit. But then again, so, yeah. you think It'll about it as well, when we say the 60s, there was the 1860s and the 1760s. So you, you go with the closest one, I suppose. And this, the closest one now is the 10s. Yeah. So yeah, but that's what I'm saying. The, con- the concept of the 30s, we know what the, we can, we can link the 30s to a style and stuff like that. Yeah. But in, in like in 10 years time, a 15 year old is going to say, 
Oh, it's the thirties. Will they? Maybe I don't know. It's maybe I don't know. I don't know how Ant's gonna work anymore. Yeah. So we're on, we're on the two thousand and tens, and I picked an unusual one, but it's the one that makes the most sense to me. This was mm. a really hard decade to pick as well because, in terms of influence, we've only had five to ten years to figure out what anything has done yes. or created, or in terms of influence. So I thought to myself, like, what is huge now? Yeah. What is massive now, and what's the most the newest style I can think of that comes out. And I have to say that the newest style I can think of and the biggest thing is emo rap. Yeah. And not, not necessarily trap, but sad boy and emo sad rap. Sad boy, yeah. And um, Which is, for anyone that doesn't know, is kind of like sad bedroom SoundCloud rap that racks yeah. up millions million plays without even getting near a record label before that. Exactly. So, like made on cunts fucking like yeah. laptops in the skate park. It's insane. Yeah. So the biggest hitters in that genre are like... Little Pump, X Tentacion, Juice yeah. World, and Travis Scott. The latter is mm. the only one still alive out of those four mm. from the last few years. But the guy I think that influenced all this, and this is a huge movement, and this is only going to get bigger as well, mm. um, is Kid Cudi. Mm. The song Erase Me from 2010. Um, this song could easily fit in with My Chemical Romance musically, let alone yeah, lyrically. Yeah, yeah. Just musically, could be played alongside it. So he's discovered by Kanye West, who's actually on this track. It's weird that Kanye West didn't get on this, but... I yeah, I don't know. I'm leaving him alone for a while. I'm definitely leaving him alone for a while. <laughs> yeah. I listened to that new album, but it's going to be yeah. a fucking Jesus It's going to be a fucking bin, bin fire, is what it's going to be. No, Can't he's, wait. He's, 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 no, no. Look, he's Saturday, on the song. Saturday, he's, he's we'll go after it, Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was too hard to pick Kanye for a lot of different reasons. It's hard to, it was very hard to quantify Kanye West. He'd done loads of great things. Yeah. In, with my dark twisted fantasy, I nearly picked the song off that. Yeah. But I have to pick what is now, what is now coming up and all kid Cuddy's yeah. influence is coming. Absolutely. Now he started the whole thing. About, here is a song, basically a slow rap song mixed yeah. with a bit of rock with lyrics about depression, emptiness and a whole spectrum of issues regarding mental health. Yeah. And so the, um, Erase Me is not, Erase Me is, I think there's more influential songs from Kid Cudi just maybe in 2009, but, but realistically, this song is so big yeah. that this, this would have been the one that definitely grabbed everyone's attention that, that was influenced from, but like people would talk about like Little Pump and stuff like yeah. that. So yeah, here's a song about how sad I am. I'm not even hiding it. it mm. It's a million miles away from Don't Be a Pussy. Man up, all the exactly the stuff yeah. that was from the stuff. Um, we have this, to say as well that like one of the biggest things associated with like kind of the, the the sad boy movement and the emo rap movement is like the absolute like massive ingestion of stuff like Xanax drugs, the, yeah, the, the, Xanax, the, the, uh, yeah, it, like just, antidepressant just, drugs and, and yeah. like fucking this uh, is beta blockers. This is literally almost play for play what happened with grunge. It exploded uh, from in nowhere. a different way. Yeah. Um, and already the biggest hitters are dead. Yes. Yeah. Do you know flash, what I mean? flash in the fucking pan, but like madness. And their like, fucking honestly, legacy is felt because it's digital now and nothing dies. Yeah. And genuinely listen to some of this music. It's, some of it is really fucking good. And this is yeah. coming from someone who's now old. I'm old yes. now. Yeah. I shouldn't have to be listening to this book because I do a podcast and DJ and all. I just do. Right. So th- this to me, the influences of Kid Cudi is still going to be felt in another five, ten years. Yes. Depending on how, what, depending on what happens with Sad Boy and emo rap. Mm. But emo rap is, to me, um, 
one of the biggest things that has happened. I, I might not like all of it. I, yeah. I don't. I don't know where it will go. But like right now, as we stand now, um, I do find that emo rap is quite honest. Uh, yeah, it's, like it's kind of pure. Yeah, emo music, like emo rock music. Yeah, I think some of the big hitters in that were serious. I really mm. think that Jared Way from uh, Michael oh, yeah. was singing about how embitsy was. Like, oh, yeah, he's he was sure, yeah. Obvious, but there was loads of bands who were, weren't just, were just like, it, yeah. oh no, yeah. put a knife to my arm. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. No, you yeah, should be So I do think that this is sort of the grunge of 2000. It is the grunge of 2000. It's, yeah. got, it's got all the things they're talking about. They're talking about how fucking pissed off they were. These kids are fucking depressed. They're on mad medication. They're on too much of it, possibly. Yeah. Um, they're abusing it. They're singing about it. They're glorifying it. They're glorifying sometimes violence and shit like that, whatever, man. Mm. Like, it's, 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 you get to decide what you want to take from music. And as a fucking someone in their 30s, I'm not going, do you know what, man? Yeah, I think I will do all that. So, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what the, the moral compass is. Mm. That's my song from two thousand and cool. ten. Ten's uh, kid could erase me. Who is it? And your last and our last uh, last one on it. Yeah, is a uh, not not a particularly good song. And uh, the reason I picked the song is for very different, very very different reasons. Uh, I picked Uptown Funk by Mark Ronson with Bruno Mars. Uh, right. First of all, this is one of the biggest songs ever made. The song is yeah. It's like it's too popular. It's big, too popular. The big, one of the biggest songs in the last. Is, I think it's years. one of the top four songs ever in terms is of sales. Yeah, in terms of sales. Yeah, it's, like it's bigger than it's bigger than Happy. It's bigger than yeah. It's just it's, bigger than I got a feeling. Yeah, it's it's. Um, at one stage, it was I think the number one selling song of all time, but I think it's it's in the top four now. Uh, Mark Ronson is weird. Born in London, moved to New York. Uh, to be a fucking DJ or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the skill in New York. Uh, became a hip hop DJ. He wasn't very popular. Uh, started producing. Um, he put out a couple of his own albums. Didn't do particularly well. They were all right. Uh, yeah, I picked, I picked, what did I pick one of them? I picked them on something recently. Oh, Feel Good. Yeah. One of the yeah. songs on the Feel Good. Team. Yeah, Feel Good was. Uh, was Q tip. Yeah, Feel Good was one where he started. He start, I think he had a lot of money. Now, you have to understand that. Uh, his stepfather is uh, Mick Jones, not the Clash's Mick Jones, but Foreigner's Mick Jones, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he already had load of contacts. His grandfather? His stepfather. Stepfather, fuck. Yeah, his I stepfather is Mick Jones from Foreigner. I was only watching an interview with Mick Jones. Mm-hmm. Day, uh, and uh, so there's a few quid there already. And there's also a musical legacy and a million contacts. So uh, I'm not going to say he got lucky because it turns out he was... He's fucking smashing at what he does as a producer. He is. No, he is. He's fantastic. Like fucking, Amy Winehouse. Yeah, uh, bananas. Lady Gaga. No. Exactly. Um, so he started getting work as a producer with loads of hip-hop artists and he started getting kind of into the pop world. Then he started banging out his own kind of compilation albums uh, like what this is on. Now, the reason I picked him and the reason I picked this song is because the way this song is produced is fucking insane. Uh, he created this like almost new way of producing music. So this is this is the complete and utter opposite to like organic music. He when you think of a normal song, uh, a normal producer, they might be sitting at home in front of a piano or a guitar and they'll come up with like you know, a little chord structure and, a, yeah. and then they come in with, with that, they start piecing it together and then maybe they'll bring the act in, you know, let them start fucking around and see if they come up with something new or whatever. Mm. This is a different animal altogether. He heard uh, Bruno Mars's band that used to have this little 
thing, this little fucking riff that was lifted from like an old Caribbean song or something like that. He's it's a, a tiny, tiny a little... lot of stuff. Bruno yeah, Mars, yeah exactly. So he had this tiny little fucking bit of a song that they used to fuck around with. And uh, Ronson heard it and he was like, there's something in there. There's something in there. So apparently this song, like it took fucking years. And I mean years to actually make this song. Every right. single instrument you hear, there's over 80 takes made. To, to the point where they had like a hard rock version of the song, like a, a fucking a Calypso version of the song. Oh, full hip-hop. Like they literally forged this song out of fucking like dirt. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I can think of very few examples, especially in the kind of modern digital age, where they start, they take a tiny little thing and then they, okay, right, this is done. Okay, right, we have this little little bridge. Okay, because there's loads of stuff going on in this song. And yeah, then they, they start it's, listening. It's, it's, like, it's like a mixture of loads of other songs, but it's all trimmed down perfectly. Exactly. They, 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 now, they were sealed into oblivion course, at the end of this. Of course they were. Yeah, right. Uh, the, the big one was um, uh, the Gap Band with Oops Upside Your Head. Oops. Oh, upside yeah. Your head. I said Oops Upside Your Head, right? Um, Especially if it, where it breaks down to no, dr- or no drums and just, yeah. oh, come on. Exactly. So um, the, uh, the Gap Band ended up with like 17% of the royalties in perpetuity. Ooh, Gap um, Band are fucking brilliant, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a fucking shit on them. Now, we can bring it back to who you just mentioned as well, that one of the co-writers, now, officially, on paper, there's a fuck ton. There's like 17 credits songwriting <laughs> on this. <laughs> Those are the ones that they had to had to They had to do, yeah, where yeah. they had to add it on. But like realistically, you've got uh, Ronson, I think you've got Mars, or some guy from Mars' band, and you've got a guy called uh, Jeff Basker, right? And Jeff yeah. Basker is one of Kanye West songwriters. Oh. Right? He worked with him and produced uh, 808s and Heartbreak, uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and Watch the Throne. Right, so he's involved in Those the making of this arms. song, exactly. Very, very, very so, good arms. Uh, Jeff Basker is heavily involved in making this song as well. So, like, the, the whole song is essentially pieced together like, like chemistry. Where See, here's the thing, yeah, I was gonna say they know so much about music that that's a science, what exactly. They, they broke it down into a science, and like we said, you got like happy and stuff like that that comes out later. But th- this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is one of the like. The, the fucking greatest in musical endeavors of like just pig headedness where they had tiny little slips of songs and they start evolving them and adding stuff in. And then like they'd go and they'd listen to like fucking chic or fucking uh, like there's a big Noel Rogers fucking influence in this. Oh, um, there's, there's loads of like prints. There's loads of earth, wind and fire, all this kind of shit. And apparently all those people, all those people came out of the woodwork afterwards going like, that's a bit of a lift now. What we don't hear. That's a bit of a, there's a little bit of that from yeah. this. And like, that's where it was more. But like, I'm, I'm pushing my finger on this as one of the most influential songs, simply in terms of the way it was produced in that fucking, it was a thousand. Even if like, you didn't say anything, I was just thinking, well, Mark Ronson, I know you're not picking it for Bruno Mars. Yeah. You're picking it because Mark Ronson is one of the most influential. Oh, yeah. 100%. For the last 10 years in pop. 
Exactly. Like he is though. He's the exactly. biggest he's the biggest producer in pop at the moment. Oh yeah, probably. without a shadow of a doubt. And he has he has that touch. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you've got like Amy Winehouse was big, but Amy Winehouse was fucking huge off the back of fucking Ronson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she still would have been big, but would she have he, been as he big? Has that, he no. has that Jimmy Ivian thing where it's like, what about doing this song? Like he, they've got a song. Yeah. He just has the he has the year and he has the eye. Her first big song, Valerie, is it's a cover of that band. I can never fucking remember. Yeah, I can never remember either. Uh, yeah, geez, I should know. Um but uh not the Zootons, whatever. Uh, yeah, so like he has that thing, like Ivy and be like, you know, you should do that song, you should do this song, or else like he'll hear something in the middle of something and go, yes, he's clearly got it. Uh, yeah, exactly. He has it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's I said, the reason I'm picking it's this production style where everything is dissected a thousand times, broken up a thousand times until it's mm. literally in its in its chemical fucking compounds. You know yeah. what I mean? It's literally chemical compounds, and then he starts putting it back together again. So I can only imagine what that fucking logic window looked like. You know, fuck oh, whatever, whatever he yeah. was using. Like it would have been Our Pro Tools. It's exactly like, new, new mix one, new mix one point two, new, new, new mix, new, new mix seventeen. Calypso version. Exactly, yeah. just fucking outrageous. So in terms of like production style, um, it sounds you like can't, you uh, can't uh, fault the production. Exactly, it sounds great. Um, but in terms of production style, that became such a fucking big thing afterwards. Like like you've even said, we're fucking um, breaking everything down into mats. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it becomes fucking maths. It becomes chemistry. and um, becomes biology. It's, also, it's science. Like. It's also what uh, your man, Britney Spears' producer, the yeah, Swedish, Swedish guy, guy, yeah, I can't Max, remember his uh, fucking name. Yeah. Max something. He yeah. would find ways to steal scientifically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 11 changes, I think it is. It's the just, way it works with graphics. Yeah, uh, yeah, just enough of a key, to, you know what I mean? Yeah. He did that a lot with Britney Spears. Yeah, like WWF entrance music. We're not allowed to use yeah. back and black. So instead of then, 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 it's then, 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 Something else could have more of an influence that came out like last year or a year before. Exactly, I, mean, some, I know a few bands could be coming out today. Think, think they're going to be, but uh, exactly. say as well, like do what? Uh, was it the Irish Times gave a uh, girl band the best? Oh, the best Irish, Irish album, album of all time. Can't say a word. I didn't hear. Haven't heard that girl band album yet. I listen to girl band and it does what it's supposed to do. Make me feel uneasy. I yeah. like that. Yeah. But I, I I don't feel the rush to go back. It can make me uneasy, like okay, computer did them make me also want to listen to it again and again and again. I, I'll I'll give talkies more of a go. But yeah. like I said, yeah, that like realistically, if we're following the papers, we should have put that uh, that as the. Uh... <laughs> but then we don't know how much of an influence that's going to have. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's it's still new enough as well. Still new enough. Year, new year old Irish album. So, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's us uh, for this week. We're back in next Monday with a new podcast, and we're back uh, Saturday. Uh, fingers crossed. Um, we've got a few more of these Saturdays to go. Because um, I don't know when I have to go back to work. I still haven't a fucking clue. Um, it looks yeah. like the start of August, the tenth of August, or something like that. And I still don't know what the roster is going to be. Like you're, who knows when you're ever going back to work. Yeah, my uh, job is to get people together. It's not a good, it's not a good scene right now. Yeah, and you're not allowed to do it. Um, so who knows what what the fuck is going on? So we're going to keep uh, um, things are still the same as they were four months ago. So we're going to keep going. 
um, with our Saturday night shows. Uh, podcast won't change, but we'll always have time for podcasts. Um, but uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday night, you can get all the information on lostartpodcast.com. Um, that's got yeah. links to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Lost Art Podcast. It's $5 a month. I hate having to do dollars. You can't set euros. I'm sorry. Um, or pounds or whatever the fuck money you use. Sure. Fucking Swahili fucking gold nuggets. I don't know. Like, I, I, I hate having to use dollars, but whatever. It's $5 a month. Um, that gives you access to loads of exclusive content. I made a video last night with one of my dogs. I put it on Patreon cool. explaining what my dog's favorite albums were, um, which <laughs> seems to be very oh. popular. Also, if you could share, if you liked this episode, send it to someone. Share it. Share it, please. Or comment on it and get, tell us whether you're wrong or right. Or like, oh, we didn't know that. Jesus Christ. Like, every time you mention, like, or share something, Facebook thinks that we're important. And that's exactly. very important. Yeah, it's hiding, it's hiding all of our stuff because it wants if, us to pay if for you, everything. If you, if you just listen to this and go, that was deadly, and don't tell Facebook, they'll... Like, they assume honestly, you hate it. Yeah, and they want to bury you exactly. So just share it, like it, share it. Say good one uh, or disagree with us, whatever you want. Do fucking something though. She's gonna share it. Going, this is an absolute travesty. Anything at all. Yeah, anything. (laughs) They went from Beatles to Mark Ronson. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. In an hour and a half. Anyway, gang, that's us. We're back again uh, next week, and see you on Saturday for a few drinks and some more scooter talk and tunes. Night. See you then.